Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Mayhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Sports Media Mayhem Podcast. My name is Alex Reamer, and as always, you can find the show wherever you can find your favorite podcasts. We are available at Spotify, Apple, Google. You know the drill. Download, listen, rate, subscribe. It warms my heart to see the Sports Media Mayhem picking up some momentum here as we move towards NFL season. Hard to believe that next week at this time, the NFL season will have officially begun, and with that, a lot of media storylines... Uh, Last year for WEI.com, after each Patriots game, I wrote a comprehensive broadcast review, and you can expect those again this year, and for me to take some of that commentary to this very podcast. So as the NFL season gets underway, look out for more episodes coming your way, which is why it's so important to subscribe, because then you will be up to date on everything that we do here. Uh, So in that spirit, with the NFL season upon us, uh, very excited for my guest this week, doing some cross-pod pollination, as I'm calling it. And yes, I did just come up with that, and I'm very proud of it. Thank you very much. Kyrie Thompson is the new Patriots reporter for WEI and Odyssey Sports. He also hosts a daily podcast. That's right. He's a podcasting machine called First in Foxborough. Kyrie joined me on the show today to talk about a topic that I have written about for years. I started writing about sports media in 2015, 2016, and I did my first big feature story Uh, for Forbes about the art of covering Bill Belichick way back in August of 2016. So six years later, I'm still fascinated by it. As I mentioned to Kyrie, I think I've talked to pretty much every Patriots beat reporter about this topic. So we'll add him to the list. And Kyrie is an especially interesting guy to talk to about this because he's relatively new to the beat. He started covering the Patriots on a daily basis last year. So I talked to Kyrie about what it's like being on the receiving end of the Belichick stare-down, how you plan to ask Belichick questions when you know he's not going to answer what you want him to answer, such as who's going to be calling the offensive plays this season, whether he thinks Belichick has contempt for the media, and everything in between. So all things about covering the Patriots and Bill Belichick coming up in just a few moments with our guy Kyrie Thompson. You don't want to miss that. But before we get into Kyrie, a couple of news and notes here I want to run through at the start of the pod. 
Some national sports media news that really has piqued my interest. FanDuel is the latest gambling network, or gambling company, I should say, sports gambling company, to spend big money in terms of producing its own original content. We've seen DraftKings do this with the Mike Golick radio show and a host of other talent. And it's uh, we have BetQL, of course, here at Odyssey and the great content they produce. So this is now... The next big thing in the industry, all of these daily fantasy companies, these sports gambling companies, they are investing heavily in original content. And the thinking is that all this investment in original content will result in more eyeballs going to their brands and going to their channels, and thus will result in more customers for them. So you get the plan in theory, but I'm skeptical about how a lot of this will work in reality. And especially with FanDuel, which is launching a 24-7 TV network set to debut this month, September. It's being advertised as the first linear watch and wager network in the U.S. They are rebranding TVG Network, which they already own, to FanDuel TV. And they're bringing in some pretty big names. Kay Adams, who of course got her start here in Boston with NBC Sports Boston. She spent the last several years at NFL Network anchoring its popular Good Morning Football program. She will now move to FanDuel TV and host an hour-long morning show Monday through Friday. Other talent that's coming over to the network include Pat McAfee in his very popular Pat McAfee show, uh, former ESPN anchor Lisa Kearney, and the network will also air, air programming from Bill Simmons's The Ringer. Not quite sure what that looks like. Maybe they'll air live podcasts on the air, just like we have radio radio show simulcasts. Maybe they'll do the first ever TV podcasting simulcast. They could uh, simulcast Bill Simmons' show, The BS Report. I know Rosillo has a very popular pod for them as well. So there are a few avenues they could go with the whole Ringer affiliation. But as I said, I am skeptical about how this will work for FanDuel because I'm just not sure how this network will stand out. I mean, you look at just the just the the, the 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 vast amount of daily sports programming we have from ESPN, ESPN2, FS1, all the local networks, all the podcasts, go on down the line. It is such a crowded space. I look at this concept and go, yeah, people liked Kay Adams on Good Morning Football. The Pat McAfee Show is one of the most popular programs on the YouTube platform. He seemingly always generates news with his guests. I mean, his Aaron Rodgers interviews last year were huge. Um, you know, Bill Simmons is the wild card. He has not had a regular TV gig since his failed HBO show in the late aughts. If FanDuel could center a new original show around Bill Simmons. That is something different and would allow them to stand out because Bill Simmons still has such a large brand and there's still so much interest behind him. But judging by the network's press release, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. They just say they'll include programming from Bill Simmons' The Ringer, which sounds a lot different than a show built around Bill Simmons. So obviously FanDuel is spending a lot of money here grabbing all this talent, as all of these gambling networks now are, gambling companies now are. Um, but I, I just don't know how this will stand out. I think a more interesting path for FanDuel or these companies to take would be 
If you want a live 24-7 TV channel, why don't you focus on kind of being the real-life ESPN The Ocho? What I mean by that is you want people to watch your network and then wager and bet on sports on your platform. So why don't you broadcast a lot of these obscure sports programs, a lot of these obscure sports, and make that your programming? And you, you're you not going to win the ratings war, obviously, with this, and it's not going to be a ratings bonanza. But frankly, Kay Adams and Pat McAfee and shows from The Ringer are not going to really stand out in the ratings either. So that's not the goal here. The goal is to draw eyeballs. The goal is to draw interest in your gambling platform. And I can't think of a better way to do that than if you're FanDuel to broadcast these obscure sports on your network, you know, do like late night marathons and really center your your programming around that. It gives you something totally different. You could start a real niche kind of cult following. I mean, very easy to imagine college kids staying up until the wee hours of the morning, streaming FanDuel TV and wagering and all these weird sports that are happening all over the country and all over the world. I I like that idea. Someone should put me in charge of the FanDuel network because I just think that that at least would have a chance of breaking through. And, you know, as we know, we are all past the the era of the monoculture, every celebrity is niche, everything has a niche audience, so you're already going, so you're already entering the landscape knowing that that's the reality, so why not play into that versus just being another platform with talking head shows that tweet out clips on Twitter and once in a while someone like me or the million of other versions of me out there in the content minds will blog a little item about something that you know, was said on the Pat McAfee show or what have you. And that's fine. But as I said, there are a million of other places to get that already. Why not do something different if you're a fan duel? So we'll see if they really kind of go forward with more of that niche sports programming. Because right now, I just don't see where they would really stand out here. Um, Stephen A for president, perhaps? That's been getting some buzz this week. Because Stephen A. Smith himself won't stop talking about it. He's said a couple of times, and most recently on First Take, that, quote, If the American people wanted me to run for president, I would strongly consider it. And I mean it, he says. If they convinced me they wanted me to do it, I would strongly consider it. Uh, So Stephen A. for president, I can see the posters now. This is never going to happen in a million years. You look at our last celebrity president, Donald Trump. Why did he run for office? He ran for office because his brand was floundering. He needed to get back to the A-list. He had a huge personal incentive to run for president. Stephen A's brand is not floundering. He just signed a new deal with ESPN worth roughly $10 million per year. He has a great life right now. He's at the top of his game professionally. He really is at the apex of his professional career. Why would he want to destroy all that for what would be, let's be honest, a futile presidential run? Crazier things have happened, of course, Trump president, but in today's landscape, I just don't see... I just don't see a Stephen A. campaign being taken seriously at all. I know he's done some guest stints on CNN over the years, but I mean, really... I I just don't 
I just don't see it happening. And I think this is just something he's saying for fun because... Again, where is the incentive? Where is the incentive for Stephen A. Smith? Besides being a true patriot, of course. As he said, he's here to serve the American people. But besides that, how does Stephen A. Smith himself benefit from a presidential run? It just doesn't make sense on any level. Uh, Another note here, and this ties nicely into our Bill Belichick conversation because it is Patriots-related. Robert Kraft, it was reported this week in the New York Post, uh, tried to land Al Michaels to be Fox's number one play-by-play guy for the NFL, placing a call on Rupert Murdoch's behalf. Obviously, that did not happen. Al Michaels will be calling Thursday Night Football on Amazon this year. But, huh, Robert Kraft playing the role of the real power broker, intervening on Rupert Murdoch's behalf. And it's just another reminder that Robert Kraft remains one of the most powerful men in the media world, not just sports media, but the media world, because he is has a great seat on the NFL's broadcasting committee. He's held that seat for many years. We know that the NFL is by far the most valuable entity on TV today because it is truly the last thing that people will watch live and watch in droves. And Robert Kraft makes a lot of the moves there, so that makes him one of the most strongest people in media. And this report that he reached out to Al Michaels on Rupert Murdoch's behalf is just another reminder of the power that Robert Kraft still wields in the media world. But without any further ado, I teased it at the start. Kyrie Thompson covers the Patriots for us at Odyssey Sports and WEI, and he is day-to-day, every day, down there at Foxborough, trying to get something out of Bill Belichick. And as I said, this summer has been really interesting to watch because the top storyline has been the Patriots' lack of an official offensive coordinator, but it became apparent very early on in camp that Belichick wasn't going to reveal anything about that. So if you're a Patriots reporter like Kyrie Thompson and all the other people down there at Foxborough, how do you work around that? How do you approach covering a coach who doesn't want to even give you the common courtesy of a polite non sequitur when you ask him questions that fans want to know. So my conversation with Kyrie Thompson is coming up on the other side. It's the Sports Media Mayhem Podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening. All right, we have some cross-pod pollination here, as I was saying early on. Kyrie Thompson... Yes, I just came up with it. Is our new uh, Patriots guy for Odyssey Sports, WEI. Kyrie, what's up, man? It's going good, man. And again, as a, as a former biologist, stuff like that, I mean, it, it warms the cockles of my heart, so to speak. So yeah, no, I, I love it. I pride myself on being an English guy, but I have no idea what cockles means. So you're ahead of me there as well. Apparently, it's like, it's basically just like, uh, you know, the, the, the coals, right? You know, somebody who's very, very cold hearted, you know, warms the embers, okay. something like that. Context clues. I've heard it used a bunch of times. Like, we're just going to go with that. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I'll look it up later and, and give you the actual definition. It's good. I'll look it up. I had a very mean English teacher in my sophomore year of high school, but she drilled oh. the vocab into our head. So any good word that I use in any story I write is thanks to Ms. Sims. So... There There we go. I've had a Ms. Sims before. Um, Not necessarily that memorable, but yeah, no, my, my high school English teacher was like very, she, she seemed like she was nice. It's like, it's like the Jeff Van Gundy con man comment that was made about 
Michael Jordan back in the day. She she seemed nice and would have the smile and whatnot, but good lord, she was a savage when it came to grading the papers. And then I and then I did student publications with her. So I did the journalism, did the school newspaper, even more of a savage Ooh. when it came to the student newspaper. Good gracious. Uh, well, she trained you well for this uh, very warm industry in which uh, we, we're, we're part of here. Um, so you have a podcast, a daily podcast, sometimes a twice per day podcast. Right? Oh, yeah. You are a podcast machine. First in Foxborough, you can find it wherever you can find your favorite podcasts. Uh, so you did a show this week that I found very interesting about just kind of what it's like to cover Belichick, cover the Patriots. And this is a topic that I, as a media writer, have written about. I think I've spoken with pretty much every beat writer about this topic at one point or another. So I'm glad to add you to the list. Uh, yeah. Let me start here. When did you start covering the Patriots on a regular basis? So I started last year as a member okay. of Boston.com, right. which is under the Boston Globe umbrella. Right. Uh, and and back then, right, it was still, uh, you know, especially in OTAs and, and minicamp, the, the interviews were still via Zoom, right? So it's like we'd come off the field after watching practice and then we go into like the media workroom and then we're hopping on Zoom with players because we still yeah. were trying to figure out the COVID situation. So this year is the you know my first experience of I mean, I've been in the locker rooms post game before because I, I had done a couple of games back in uh, end of 2019, early 2020. But this is the first experience I'll have of just like every day being able to go and talk to the players, which is very, very interesting. Right. But yeah, the first time I asked a question of Bill Belichick was over a Zoom meeting, which was, I don't know, kind of a surreal experience. And then uh, the, the, you know, then I, I, you know, first day of training camp last year, I tried it again, and that one got me a stare down. So it's like I was, I was ingratiated pretty quickly to the media circle of people that Bill Belichick was like, "Watch your step." Was that so? Was that a stare down over Zoom? No, no, this was a stare down oh, this in training camp you know, over okay. Zoom. Over Zoom was like, yeah, you know, sure. Yeah. Common yeah. answer or whatever. But yeah. um, I uh, I think he got he thought I was getting too comfortable with a question about that. I had about Adrian Phillips. It was a pretty standard question. Just like, what are you what are you seeing from Adrian Phillips this year um, after, you know, seeing him kind of be. Uh, you know, playing a different role than than maybe he has in the past, and and that was the part that he seized on. I don't know what role you're talking about, uh, whatever. But but he actually gave me a pretty good answer to my question. So I think it was just kind of like, uh, okay, you you think you know some stuff? Let me let me tell you that you don't, because I'm Bill Belichick and you don't actually know anything. So, so what's it like as a young reporter to be on the receiving end of a Bill Belichick grumble and stare down? Were you intimidated at all? I mean, look, in inside, I was dying a little bit, but you know, but you know what, when, when he did that, the only thing I was going to sit up there and do in that moment was stare right in his eyes and be like, okay, all right, what's up? Like, you know, in, in the yeah. end, it's like, I'm, I'm here, I'm asking the questions, like I'm going to be here a while. So, I mean, like, I'm not going to, not going to show you that I'm feeling it, but inside, oh, hell yeah, I was, I was baking. And, and it's funny because after that happens, right, practice is uh, about to start and uh, Mike Reese from ESPN comes up to me and he's just like, dude, just keep sticking your nose in there and asking questions like you're doing the right thing. And then he's like kind of like whisper, whisper. He's like, man, the first time I asked that dude a question, I thought I was going to fucking die. And I was just <laughs> like, OK. <laughs> yeah, that's all. So it's like this, there's like a camaraderie about it, which I think is which I think is good. And, you know, so I'm curious, like this training camp, I was very fascinated with the way Belichick handles all sorts of controversies, but especially this play caller 
controversy. I think it became apparent very early on he wasn't going to divulge any information about who the play caller is going to be. But you know, as covering the team, like this summer, that's been the number one story that people have been interested about. So as a conduit of the public, you have to ask about it. So how do you think and say, okay, he's obviously not going to answer a direct question about this, but I still have to ask about it because it's still of interest. So how do you kind of work around a situation like that? It's been so funny watching you know, that many people and, and, and even trying it myself in, in certain ways, you know, in kind of roundabout fashion to try and get somebody to say anything at all about the system or what somebody else, you know, like, like what you might look like in this system or what somebody else might look like in, in kind of a new system with some of these plays and even the defensive guys. Uh, You know, I I even, I even tried it with Lawrence guy, right. Uh, It was being like, Hey, you know, what's it like facing uh, a a team, you know, like, like this team doing a lot of outside zones where like, yeah, maybe they ran it last year, but maybe not quite as much. Uh, as they're doing it now. And he's like, oh, so you were at training camp last year and you knew what we were running. You knew we weren't doing outside zones. It's like, <laughs> well, I was there, you know, and I know you're doing it. And he's like, uh, but, but he was kind of joking about it. Cause yeah. he's just like, Hey, I'm, he's like, I'm practicing my Belichick. You like that Belichick answer right there. So it's like, <laughs> no, like they, Belichick knows it's coming and everybody knows that they've got to ask it. And it's just, it's just one of those deals where he's in mid season form and he's just, he's not going to do it. He's not going to play around with it. Sometimes, well, sometimes he will. Sometimes it'll be like, oh, you know, it's a process and it'll, it'll give you the chuckle. But other times it's like, look, okay, I'm not in the mood. It, I think some of it really does depend on the day. Like if they had a bad day of practice the day before, or like they had a bad preseason showing, then then the, the temper gets shorter. Like, I feel like you could tell there was a difference between, you know, them kind of losing in preseason week one and him not wanting to talk about it. And then there was a difference between mm. that and preseason week two, where they had, you know, kind of a better overall performance. And he's like kind of joking about it and laughing, but like, again, you know, guys that are, they're being really persistent about it, right? Like Phil Perry, who's just like, look, can you tell me about this process? And just don't worry about it. Right. right. Or, or just like, look, yeah. we're looking for more clarity. Great. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> right. And, and it's just, you, you know that sometimes that button has been pushed and you kind of almost got it back down because it's not going to happen, right? It's like that Nick Saban thing. I'm not going to, so quit asking. The thing about Belichick too is he is not, he's very comfortable with awkward silence, which oh, yeah. a lot of people are not. So because <laughs> he is, he's able to just give you a one word answer and then he's fine just looking at you. Yeah. And you know, the funny thing too, is that he will use those awkward silences to create more awkwardness. Like he'll, he'll stop talking and then somebody else will get ready to jump in with another question I got, got with this actually, um, like during the first media avail of the year down at OTAs where he paused for like three seconds, like it was over that the, the thought was finished. And I start asking a question and then he continues with a non sequitur really like, like he wasn't really saying anything, but he's just like, so yeah, blah, 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 to finish off his answer. And I'm just like, you son of a bitch. Like, like <laughs> it, 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 it's like you, you did that on purpose to get me. But I mean, he has been doing this for so long where it is a game. And I think that in regards to the, Offense, like the offensive play caller, the, the scheme, and all of that, 
it is, a, you know, a, a chew toy in a lot of ways. It is this obsession that I feel like he loves stoking controversy about by being awkward about it. And I can't help but laugh. I mean, honestly, every time it happens, whether it's to me or to somebody else, and he just does one of those, well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, yes, you do. Obviously, you do. You know everything that's going on with this team. You know everything that, that, that you know, everything that you want to see from this process. And I feel like he's kind of revealed little bits of the process, uh, you know, in, in kind of a roundabout way, but he's never going to give it to you straight up. And, and to him, it is a game. And if he gives in, we win. Um, do you think Belichick has contempt for the media? I think that, you know, honestly, I'm not, I'm not sure that that's true. I mean, I, I do think that he doesn't enjoy doing media stuff and that he wouldn't do it if he didn't have to, or he would pick and choose when he gets to, because here's the thing, like uh, the other day, right. He, he does the, the Chris Berman thing, right. right. He's clapping for Chris Berman, or he'll sneak into the booth during the NFL combine. Right. And, and uh, you know, he sounds like having a good old time with it and joking is a whole different Belichick or he'll go on like inside the NFL right. and talk about Ed Reed. And it's like, it's like, he's Crazy. talking about his child. He absolutely right. loves this man. He'll yeah. be over here nerding out about some play Ed Reed made 15 years ago. Right. And, and he's like a kid at Christmas, but when it comes to the media availabilities, I don't know. I've seen it in person where he respects Tom Curran. Right. And he respects right. Jim McBride. He respects those guys that have been there. And he's not necessarily actively trying to be a douche. He just doesn't want to answer your questions. Yeah. And everybody knows that that's the relationship going in. Because, for example, he gives Tom all kinds of leeway when it comes to following up on things and kind of doing a soliloquy in a way that I'm absolutely sure he would not do with me. Right. Right. So, so again, I don't think it's, it's contempt. I don't think he hates the media, but it's clear that he's just like, look, in the end, you're going to play this game on my terms. I don't care what you think about what I'm doing. I don't care if you like the way that I go about my job in the end, like, look, we'll, we'll do this little thing and we'll get what we need to get out of it. But like, I'm, I'm not here to play your game. Like I'm, you're doing it my way or no way at all. Yeah, yeah, applauding Chris Berman. We were graced with his presence. I think that was even another that was another sign to me that the game is maybe past Belichick by if he thinks that Chris Berman is still like you know a big deal. <laughs> yeah, but I think it, it's and like I'm, one of those deals where he's been around so long, yes, yes, right? Yes, They've both yes, kind of been yes, along coming up through the game yes. and, and and all that for so long. And and I think that he kind of I, I guess I don't really know what relationship they have, but it's their peers, obviously. Like, like hey, the same old timer, yeah. hey, yeah, old timer, right. what's up? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they're peers. And I would say from afar, and granted, I'm talking about all this from the comfort of my computer chair. I might have a different attitude if I were down there on a regular basis. But that you mentioned Belichick is very friendly towards NFL films and NFL network. And he loves, you know, the Chris Bermans of the world. And that always has been the one part of Belichick that I just on a human level, I don't love, right? Like, I don't love that he, you're right, has a much different attitude towards the big national brands. And then I remember like last season, this poor woman was clearly on an assignment asking him about like his New Year's resolutions. You probably remember oh that. God, yeah. And he was a total dick to her. And I'm just like, you know, like why treat like the littlest of the little people like that publicly? I'm sure he doesn't mean it personally, but that to me is just the one thing where I'm like, mm, like, I know you're playing a game, but do you really have to be mean to the littlest person out there? You know what I'm saying? 
Well, I mean, it's a it's a power play, right? Yeah. And and I think that it's it's also like, and again, I think I felt this that first time that I was in person and asked him a question, and and he kind of did what he did. And again, it's like he answered my question, and, and, and you know, I got something good out of it and all that. But just that little subtle reminder that like, hey, rookie, like I don't know who you are, but don't get like like, like don't like don't get too comfortable, right? You're not these guys that have been around here for twenty years. And like, they're not going anywhere and, and, and that kind of thing. It's like, look, like you're, 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 you're down here and I'm up here. And I do think that there is that, that element of it, right? It's like, if I don't, like basically for him, like, if I don't know you, like, don't, don't be acting like, you know, me or know my football team. And, and so it's like, there, there is that little bit, I think of, uh, yeah, like gamesmanship and, and almost just being like, you know, yeah, sure. I'll, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, put you down a little bit. I'm going to keep you down there on that rug. I think I felt that a little bit, but then again, it's right. You see little things like, uh, sub, like Sebastian Vollmer comes back and he, you know, was at training camp one day, um, because he's trying to, you know, do NFL media availability to grow the game in Europe. Right. And so Sebastian Vollmer comes back and he, he indulges him, right. Because he's his former player. Right. Right. So it really, I think it really is kind of like Belichick has his, his guys. I don't know that necessarily like you would call anybody in the media, at least locally, like his guys. Right. But the idea that it's like, okay, look, we have a relationship. You've been asking me questions for 20 years. Whereas like for me, I've been here for like a year or somebody coming from out of town. Right. Isn't necessarily somebody he sees every day. He's just like, who are you? What do you think you're doing in my house? (laughs) And uh, I'll get out of here on this. I did think it was interesting in your show. You said that you've co- you covered the Bears previously before uh, coming here. Um, and you said that actually covering the Patriots has been a better experience for you than covering the Bears, which I don't think a lot of people would buy from afar because it seems like the Pats are like the ultimate Fort Knox. But you say yeah, no. Yeah, it, it's interesting because like I still talk to a bunch of uh, Bears media friends that I have that go to practice every day and they're not even allowed to tweet now until practice is is over. And this is for like a training camp practice, right? No updates, no nothing, right? And it's like the Patriots, like, yeah, they, they, they cut off your video after a certain amount of time, like, and they don't let you do walk. They write things like that, right? I like don't, uh, you know, say like too many specifics about what's going on. But otherwise it's like, yeah, I like plays. Sure, whatever, have at it. Like I've never been, dinged by Patriots PR for getting too revealing. And, and again, it's like, I'm you know, trying not to necessarily be too revealing, but like, yeah, the, the bears are, are weird because they have been so not that good and not that compelling no, for yeah, so long, but they, but they lock it down even harder. They're even more secretive and the Patriots like, yeah, they have that reputation. But I also think the PR department, like, for example, like for my show, um, I'm there most days and I'm trying to get players to to chat with, you know, at least during training camp. And they did an excellent job of, of making those players available to me for five minutes or so. Yeah. And like they've always been willing to, to work with certain things. It's not always going to work out. You're not always going to get the players that you request. But man, it just sounds like pulling teeth for my guys over there in Chicago in a way that, that it isn't here. And every once in a while, yep. The, you know, they'll, they'll change things around on you. They'll change the practice times like they did today where it was like, Oh yeah, it was going to be at, at, you know, 1145, 12 o'clock. And now it's at one twenty. So anybody that has to go there is going to be there all night. But <laughs> I mean, largely I, I think that the experience um, has been a good one. And I think the Patriots beat has also been a good one and a welcoming one 
for me. So yeah, I don't have too many complaints except for once again, just being like, yeah, Bill, you ain't got to you know, front and be like, oh, I don't know. You could just not answer in a normal way. You know what I mean? And uh, that pod is first in Foxborough. Find it where you can find your favorite podcast daily, sometimes twice daily. Kyrie Thompson, content machine. Thanks for coming on, man. Absolutely. All right. <laughs>